Welcome to the first episode of the Community Health Podcast. And I guess this is where I say I'm your host, Scott Lynch, founder and director of Community Therapy. I'm a physiotherapist by trade as well. And we've had this idea for an episode for some time. We're highly passionate about excellent healthcare, in particular community healthcare. And uh, we provide services across the aged care and disability sector. Um, we're a regional provider across the Central Coast and Hunter, New England area of New South Wales, Australia, providing allied health services. However, we're highly passionate about excellent healthcare services and how the intersection of business and healthcare makes that happen. So across the podcast um, in the future, you'll hear a range of different types of episodes. They'll be on uh, clinical topics, but also on business topics and everything in between. For our first episode, it became somewhat topical here in New South Wales and around uh, many states and territories in New South Wales. Again, we've had um, the emergence of more COVID-19 outbreaks and in particular, the Delta variant. So, what we've noticed across this period, again, not just in our own team, but in organisations and team members that we work alongside with in those organisations and families and friends and society in general, an increase in general anxiety um, and the effect that that has on employee wellbeing. So in our first episode, that's what we're talking about, strategies to support our wonderful employees and team members and, and colleagues, both within the organisations we work in, but also um, in partnership with other organisations that we work alongside. How does that affect healthcare? Well, obviously, happy, healthy employees leads to fantastic healthcare experiences for the clients that we support. Who is the greatest in the world at employee wellbeing? Well, that's our guest today, John O'Brien. We've got the privilege at Community Therapy of John joining us on our team as General Manager. Um, and I'll let John introduce himself, and it's always easier for someone to give a bit of an idea of their background from their own perspective. So that's enough of me talking. Tell everyone about yourself, John. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, very um, honoured to be here, and thanks thanks for the, the lovely intro. I Definitely wouldn't call myself the, um, whatever you called me, the world expert. Great, greatest in the world. <laughs> greatest in the world, that's all right. Um, not the greatest in the world of many things, just ask my wife. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, it is an area I'm very passionate about, employee wellbeing, and suppose done a lot of reading on that area throughout, you know, throughout my career, especially um, lately. So, yeah, very honoured to be and grateful to be here on the, um, yeah, the first ever podcast today and talking about it um, and, and we'll go from there. But yeah, so my my just to give a bit of my background. I'm a, a bit like Scott. I'm a physio by background. Um, finished uni in 2008 in Sydney, and then since then have kind of worked across a number of different settings, uh, including kind of sports and hospital settings, both here and in the UK. And then kind of the whole way along, really found myself quite drawn towards the, you know, other aspects of physio. So the, you know, the team culture that the physio businesses were in and even hospitals too. And then also the, you know, the customer experience around the services that we offer as well as the employee experience and um, had some really colourful jobs along the way, which I've found have given me great experiences like working 
Um, one of a couple of my yeah, memorable ones are kind of working in a chicken abattoir with, which was a very different um, set of employees there to what you might get in other healthcare settings, uh, and also working in the NHS in some pretty bleak settings in the uh, in the UK really made me look at um, you know it's not so much the setting that people are in that um, can lead to their you know engagement or happiness with work. It's actually you know how how that's set up and the people around them makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, so on, on the back of that, kind of got more into the, the business side of things. And, yeah, it's been great coming on as general manager with uh, community therapy after working in a, you know, coming from a big national uh, corporate role, working more around employee engagement and staff retention and those kind of things. So, yeah, and that's a very quick summary of kind of quick yeah, summary. How, how I've got here today. <laughs> yeah, it's always a hard question to ask. Just summarise your life, please, in the next 60 seconds. Um, the staff, well, like staff, employee well-being, lots of terminologies thrown, um, and I always sort of think about it maybe simply of just how do we look after one another in the workplace. Um, there's so many, like, directions that you can go with this topic, but maybe we'll just start with a general overview of, like, some of the important things that when someone says employee well-being for you, what where do you start that conversation? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing to start with today too because I, I kind of thinking about what to cover today, I thought we, I, I don't want to talk too much about more of a like an employee value proposition, EVP, which kind of covers a whole, you know, a broad range including wellbeing. But I think for me wellbeing is just, you know, looking after and, you know, some people have issues with using the word kind of happiness but really looking at what gives people that feeling of, you know, happiness and engagement at work as well as, um, you know, how content they are with, with things within their work work life in particular. Um, we know, like, I think having conversations around it is really important because, unfortunately, it's something that we know is, you know, if anything, it is it is getting worse. And the statistics do kind of stand out too. So we know a couple of statistics, like 40% of staff, you know, feel that their mental health is being looked after by their employee, employer in Australia. So that's like less than half. And then, you know, delving into that further, uh, some of the stats say that only 11% of employees actually feel comfortable talking to their manager about their mental health and well-being. And I think that's, that kind of serves as a really good starting point as to, um, you know, how to address well-being with staff is actually going all right well are we listening to staff and how do we kind of promote those you know discussions because it's not kind of what we think staff want it's what the staff actually want and how to support as we know how to support one person's well-being is very different to um, how to support another staff member's well-being uh, too yeah where so next hard question where <laughs> I think, like, speaking for us at Community Therapy, like, we're, we're conscious of this all the time, so it's not like, oh, where do we start as an organisation? But um, small, medium and even large organisations may not have always put this front and centre. If, if yeah, regardless of size of organisation, if somebody hasn't so thought about this sort of framework before, where do they start? Yeah, exactly right. And and I think, yeah, regardless of, like you said, size of organisation, I think a, a good way to start is with, you know, really simple questionnaires can sometimes be a, a good way to start. Lots of, like, I do have, a, you know, 
I can really see a good spot for surveys going out to staff. But at the same time, I think that has to be coupled with really quality kind of one-to-one as well as small group discussions. And I'd hope for any organisation that it's something that they've kind of had on their radar already and, and have spoken about. But I think what you get when you really have those one-to-one discussions with employees is sometimes where the gold is because people in a survey, you get kind of the data and then you go, well, what does this mean? But in those one-to-one conversations, you can more pick up on the themes and things like that and then start to structure that. And there's a few different, um, you know, a few different kind of um, structures to then look at it from a broader perspective when you're looking to, you know, looking to address that. But the biggest thing that I kind of probably have found with it is that it's not a a lot of people these days, and I think, you know, the social media world and all that is a big victim of this, that everyone wants a quick solution to things. And you see articles like four-day week makes, you know, well-being (laughs) rockets with a four-day week and you think, oh, that's great. Um, Or it could be something completely different too, like, oh, you know, we use this app and well-being goes through the roof, whereas we know that those things can be a good addition to addressing well-being and promoting well-being. But the big thing is just how multifaceted it is. It has to be a – there's a, a big part of that's a top-down phenomenon, we know. So if your leaders at the top are really open um, in their discussions and, you know, good you know, use good active listening skills and they're really um, listening to staff and having good conversations with them and, and putting things in place, then that's going to make a big difference because then your leadership teams perhaps – you know, then down the line a little bit are going to be addressing that with their staff too. So it's that kind of leading by example. Um, and then every other aspect of your business too. So your one-to-one meetings, um, you know, the structure and rhythms for those is, you know, so important. How you do check-ins, like is it a token, you know, how are you going or is it more of a structured um, kind of check-ins and getting creative with those too. I know this week here with us we changed it up a little bit with our check-in. So as part of our group meetings, which were over, um, you know, over video this week, just with the COVID situation, we got staff to share, you know, a GIF of kind of how they're going. And that, you know, started (laughs) discussions in a different way and it brought some people out of their, you know, out of their shell in a different way to um, other, you know, how they would have otherwise. And I think getting creative with things like that is, you know, is really important too. It was it was easily my highlight of the week, <laughs> all of and just seeing all of the different insights from everyone of how they're feeling in a, a different way of communicating. So, um, I think a good thing to say, like at the moment of like you can everyone listening, you can tell employee well being's challenging. Um, everyone's different. You can't have a cookie cutter program, just as in healthcare, when we're looking after our clients, you can't, no matter what sort of clinical, um, stream it is and, and what intervention or, um, clinical problem you're trying to solve. It's not as simple as a cookie cutter program that you can give, um, in sort of any area in life and employee wellbeing is the same. So you've listed a, amazing amount of strategies for people to think so far so i think at the the end um what we'll put on our resources page on the episode on our website is just a list of strategies for organizations and and managers team leaders and even employees to 
bring to companies as well of like, have we thought about some of these ideas? And that's not to say that like we're going to list all of the different things that are possible because it almost becomes endless. Um, but it maybe starts people just thinking of additional ideas like that this week of just starting a different initiative. Um, but we are aware of how that could help um, team members. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we could also do today is I'm happy to share some of the things that I've found really useful. And like I said, I'm, as I said at the start, as my disclaimer, I'm not, a, not the world expert on it, but there are some things I've found really useful. And one one thing that's always stuck with me was um, a, a book by Johan Hari, Lost Connection. So it's more, more about um, the issues with depression and anxiety in the world, but a lot of the strategies within that book I found really valuable thinking about it from a staff well-being viewpoint and I think before you like going back a step before you kind of look at the strategies to address staff well-being the good thing is to address that big question of like how do we actually create you know meaningful connections in our workplace and it might seem a bit fluffy and whatever but the connections I'm talking about is like the connections between we know that people who are more connected are likely to you know to be mentally you know their mental health is, you know, likely to be better looked after if they are more connected. So that's a connection between, you know, between peers with your manager, but also, you know, even broader than that, I think a connection to your the, the company or the organisation that you work with, the mission, the values of that organisation is a big one. And I think that's that's something that a lot of companies kind of have perhaps sitting on a, you know, sitting on a poster somewhere is the, the values, but trying to look at how do we actually, you know, show that we're living and breathing that and making it kind of operational. And that leads on to things like, you know, even the use of technology, how you can use technology to actually back up your, you know, your clinical systems and processes or your business systems and processes, but also actually make sure that you're living your values and your mission through that also. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um I think if I reflect back on, you know, being a young physio, happy, running around, um, I would have never thought that I would have looked at things the way I do now. Like if I just sort of summarise like on a day-to-day basis as, you know, in in quotations for those listening, a director, um, all I think about each day front and centre is employee wellbeing, like how happy everyone is, what can I be doing to uh, make everyone happier, what are our risks to happiness in the future and well-being, how, how is our culture going, how does that fit in with mission, vision, values, like we're speaking at the moment about um, great with, transing, uh, with changing landscape of our sector and our industry as well as where we are as an organisation, is it time to refresh our mission, vision and values? And the way we'll do that is we'll ask everyone and get everyone to put input into that and that, you know, in the books that's what everyone calls alignment and all of these fancy things that we talk about. But I I always just like to try and think about these topics in a just a human way of this is important. And I think building on what you've just said about connections, this is honestly and simple and as simple as just how well can you care for the humans that you're surrounding yourself with every day and I love getting up and going to work every day and and sometimes working far too many hours in some people's books but 
it's just because I honestly love what I'm doing of supporting those that are around me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting throughout some of our discussions since we've kind of linked up, Scott, like some, I think the importance of reviewing it has always been something that we've spoken about is that, you know, as an organisation of five staff, the way that you look after your um, you know, give staff check-in opportunities and look after well-being is, you know, very, very different to how you do it at 20 staff, 40 staff, at, you know, 50, 60 staff. And we've, um, you know, and especially in that kind of startup atmosphere as you are growing, it does get harder. And some of the things that are like I was, you know, really like that, that I've seen put in place here was, you know, for example, how you've got a, um, you know, once you made the team aware that you had a, an executive assistant that's kind of looking at your emails, you set up a separate email that can still be completely confidential that just goes to you. And then also the the way you manage your calendar too with staff, you know, for the managing director to have a, opportunities in his calendar where any staff member can just book a time and have a face-to-face one-to-one meeting um, is it's really good, like simple things, but at the same time... Really simple, um, really, really simple things. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and yeah, I think, not like, size, but really how important. did, you know, and none of this to say is that we're special or I'm special in the way that we're thinking about this, but maybe just giving light to the way that we do think about it is I always just sort of frame it from an empathy point of view. Like I remember working for organisations and I would have loved to have had that opportunity or... I had all of these great ideas in my mind and I would have loved to have, have spoken to someone about that. So if I would, I just thought... Like starting a podcast. Like being crazy <laughs> and starting a podcast. <laughs> like, But honestly, like some, like the podcast idea came from team members and there'll be more ideas that come from team members and and you need to be able to bring all of that together and all of that forms part of employee wellbeing. So it's... Employee well-being is somewhat everywhere, all the time, every minute, every second. Like, and like I even go as far to then you speak of like I can see the little little plant in the background, and I know like environment is a little bit of something that we very much need to improve on in our office space. But how are we doing that? Well, we've got team members that have submitted ideas on that. We're pricing out maintenance of plants and all of these different things but those ideas are coming from the team this is what we need in our environment in the office to make us happy this is what we need out on the road while we're doing visits to make us happy these are the problems and you need to open up as many avenues for feedback as possible recognizing that everyone communicates in different ways We'll have team members that are very happy to just march on into the office and be like, hey, I've got this idea, and that's awesome. Mm. But then there's team members that that's not how they communicate. That may make them feel anxious or who's watching me that I've walked into the office. So their ability to send an email to the confidential email address or to book in a confidential time or you need as many strategies as possible, but then having them available in a simple manner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the other part that I, my mind kind of jumps to there, um, which which you can see working well in some organisations and not so well in others, is just having like every decision that you make as a, whether it's a business decision or a, um, you know, or an operational kind of a decision with, with what you're running, it's just always having that undercurrent of how does this 
impact the employee experience because obviously employee experience is part of staff wellbeing being looked after. And I think that that's a big one. So even something minor, you know, that might seem minor from a business viewpoint of a, you know, a change in system or something like that. It's just having people in the room and it's, you know, everyone's got different skill sets too. So making sure you're around people, if it's not you, but having other people there too that are going, hang on, how would that actually impact, you know, physio Johnny who's working on the coast that's only with us three days, has limited time to check his systems or, you know, his platforms or whatever that he's working with. So having that kind of every decision that you make is looking at how does that employee, the actual impact the employees on the ground. Yeah. Sometimes that leads me to, I think, maybe frustrate some team members and being slower in decisions. So I and I think I always talk in business of a double-edged sword. Everything's going to come with a pro and a con, but at least you're recognising both of those. And sometimes with thinking about employee well-being and experience and if you're framing everything by that, it, it will cause you to slow down decisions as you try and really think about everyone's perspectives and start to have some one-to-ones. But, um, yeah, I would promise everyone that it is the way to go through things. But I think I've gotten better and still am working on it of when we are slowing down decision, the decision to actually communicate that. So, and especially to maybe some team members that you know really want to see things moving forward and maybe that decision is really meaningful for them and they, look, I really want that process to change next week. It's really impacting me, but or communicate why you need to slow that down. So um, that clear and transparent um, communication drives that well-being and experience as well. Is that part of how the way you think about things of communication as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that ability to slow it down is really important and just taking into consideration that yeah every staff member you got is you, you know you, you have on your books is is very different and reacts to things differently and it will and also like, like we've alluded to a few times there's things that we you know we haven't done and we won't do perfectly um in our organization too because you might slow something down that you go oh we probably needed to do that a bit quicker in hindsight but that's the beauty of hindsight and i think just i think at the same time i think you can't you go wrong if you're always kind of painting it with that picture of how is this going to impact the staff on the ground and that's always a good starting point because if you're not thinking about that then that's where things can can kind of go the other way you start impacting staff without realizing uh, the impacts that you're having yeah well let's let's move to something simple as or hopefully simple as we get towards the end of this episode and we'll definitely list a lot of these different strategies and things to think about on the website um after this is during like times like obviously COVID-19 is something front and centre that everyone can relate to of like the media starts running maybe in Australia at the moment there's seems to be some um differences of opinion we'll say across state and territories all the way through to the Commonwealth of how to roll out the rest of our vaccination program and timelines there and that that media cycle can then really drive anxiety and and I've felt that as well of like, okay, I've got notifications coming from Twitter and Facebook's going and I, I want to get clear communication out to the team. I want to safeguard our team. 
I want to safeguard their families and importantly, I want to safeguard our consumers. But this is not just COVID-19. I think back to the bushfires in Australia. We had bushfires popping up everywhere as a mobile workforce. That That's anxious. How are we doing all of these things? When we see anxiety peaking from an environmental thing, what sort of simple strategies can we like start to think about that may offer some assistance to the team? Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because a lot of the time, as we've alluded to, everyone's impacted by it differently and everyone kind of, um, you know, needs different things to be able to cope with that. And I think, once again, looking more, more broadly at it, I think having your, like even just things like having your team leaders well skilled, um, you know, well supported is, you know, is so important because they're the ones that are going to be doing a lot of that one-to-one support during those periods. Um, Other things that I think about with that is definitely that ability to just slow things down. So, you know, if you are in those situations where there is a lot of noise and a lot happening is at the top and that, that can be like physically slowing down the way you talk, you know, making sure that you're perhaps keeping staff out of, the loop of, you know, chains of emails and then coming back to them with a solution rather than them getting 20 different emails and six notifications through different platforms about a single decision. So, you know, in a normal week that might be okay, but during a high, highly anxious time like bushfires or during COVID, it might be something, you know, that you can shield them from with that. And having your technology, I, I don't know why we keep coming back to technology, maybe it's because, you know, Scott's quite passionate about technology, but <laughs> definitely technology is a big one with that too. I think if you've, you know, if you're set up at the, you know, in a normal times or in good times with strong technology platforms, then it makes life so much easier when you are in those, you know, in those difficult periods. And that actually, is, there's a bit of a line that you could draw there between um, emotional stability too. So if, during the good times you're looking after your own well-being and you're doing the right things for yourself then that those skills will become really valuable during those more difficult times because your threshold you've obviously got more of a threshold there before you're going to you know have a a difficult time and a lot of those skills that you build to be resilient is actually built during those times when things are actually going well Um, and then you you call on that during those difficult times it's very hard to jump into, oh, you know, it's an anxious time because of what's happening in the outside world. Oh, I better all of a sudden take up exercise and mindfulness and all these other things all at once. It's easier to, you know, start drawing on those, but you're already familiar with it because you've put in the the hard work earlier. Yeah, I completely agree. And like with technology um, software, like obviously I'm passionate about that more so just because it's, I think communication drives everything that we do in healthcare, not just for to our clients, but amongst ourselves and in our personal lives, like myself and my wife, like why do we have a great relationship? Because we clearly communicate with each other, we're transparent, we're honest, and all of those things build into our team environments in business as well. Um, and maybe like to touch on some of our strategies through COVID-19, like with the emergence again over the weekend at the time of recording this episode, some of our software allows us to distribute notifications to everyone all at once and that then creates an event that can be tracked forward. So that's been a really nice piece um, 
of our emergency response that we can now use across all other pieces. So when there's a bushfire in the future, from a leadership point of view, I'm not going to be anxious about how, do we have a process in place to safeguard our team? We already have that. And then that means from like what you've said before of like top down, not that I ever like thinking of organisations that way, but um, if I'm calm, I can then distribute hopefully some calmness and clarity across the team. Um, And then we definitely tried to utilise little strategies of like I started to talk to the team this week and in email communications and um, some of our internal like social media um, for uh, we use workplace um, for our team using the term slow is smooth and smooth is fast, which I believe is from the Navy SEALs, but I just like that when you start to frame something and it's sort of mission, vision, values in that sort of thought process of getting everyone to think about a theme at the moment of what we're moving towards. Um, And then we put in some suggestions of some little strategies of I think it was only yesterday at the time of recording that um, put into an example of some box breathing strategies following like a YouTube video of um, four seconds inhale and then a hold and then an exhale and the hold. So there's many different strategies that you can put in place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's like some of those things I, you know, speaking personally, the things that I, um, you know, have found a lot of, a lot of benefit from, and I don't know if it, it might actually, I thought it might be interesting for people to perhaps look at some of the strategies that, you and I might do to look after our well-being. Yeah, awesome. We can maybe we can finish on some of our strategies. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. Fair enough. <laughs> Throw me in first, and you'll be like, "Yeah, same." Um, um, but yeah, one one thing that I like, what one thing that I've really kind of, you know, like I said, I do a lot of reading, and there's particular things that I kind of are really drawn to. One of the one of the recent things that I came across too was um, Ben Crow, who does a lot of. Um, mentoring of, you know, really top flight, um, you know, athletes and he's worked with businesses. He was at Nike for a while and he talks about this idea of kind of purpose um, versus goals and the importance of, you know, the differentiation between that and that's I've found that really, really, you know, useful to look at. And when you think about it in like a sports context, so for somebody like an AFL footballer, if, if that person is driven by the goal of winning an AFL premiership, um, but they're playing for, you know, I won't throw a team under the bus. I'll throw my own team under the bus, Essendon, um, you know, the Essendon Bombers. If those guys were just absolutely driven by a goal of winning the premiership, then they're, you know, they're going to find it very hard to be fulfilling. If, if they don't win the premiership, they've essentially failed. So what he does so well, and I'd really recommend um, his work, is looking at, actually flipping that and saying, you know, you should be driven. What gets you out of bed in the morning is actually your purpose, not your goals. So for to, you know, make that even more practical for me, like as a, you know, if if my goal as a physio was to, you know, to win a, you know, the Allied Health Person of the Year award or something like that and I didn't get it and that's what got me out of bed every day, then that's going to be really hard if I don't achieve that. But instead if I set myself a purpose of, something like, you know, trying to create and inspire happiness amongst the people I work with and the clients that I see, and that's what gets me out of bed every day, then that is going to set me up for a, you know, much more fulfilling kind of uh, workplace and I'll be engaged. 
not saying the goals aren't important because you'll still have goals, but you've got to think about, are the goals what gets you out of bed or is it the purpose that gets you out of bed? And, like, to operationalise that further, I I keep those, um, it's not the exact wording, but I've got um, that purpose kind of in my phone. It's something I refer to frequently. Um, So just to make sure that's what I'm kind of living by and it's something for work as well as home rather than kind of looking at a set of goals that I'm trying to achieve because there's always going to be goals that, uh, you know, are for one reason or another, unachievable, or things that I that change along the the goal the goalposts might move along the way. Whereas your purpose, you know, should stay pretty steady. You might vary it from time to time, but that's a you know, that's definitely a, a big one for me. Like looking at it, you know, with a very very big picture, there is probably one for me, and there's probably some more like smaller bits I do along the way, but I might throw to you, Scott, and see what kind of... Yeah, I think, I think um, you always do such a great job of, like, framing <laughs> and describing things because, like, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I've definitely done that in my personal life around my, like, movement and physical activity. So movement and physical activity is definitely a big part of, like, how I feel good and well in a personal life and that pulls across into you know not that you can separate personal and work like everything's just in amongst each other and that's why employee well-being so important um but I think as a when I was younger I I was too goal orientated with like my movement and like I got very into um like weightlifting so I'd be like thinking about a number that I want to be strong enough to lift and now I've reframed that for myself and not as eloquently put around how you frame it. Um, but I just think about like my, my, my purpose of, um, with movement now is, is just to enjoy moving so that I, and at a higher level, it's, I've, I've had these thoughts to myself of I want to be healthy and move for a long time as I age so that I can be around to enjoy my children. And now it's it's much easier for me to go and enjoy some movement, not go, oh, I'm not as strong as I used to be. Or if, if I had more time, I, I used to always think if I had more time, I could be so much better. Well, now I just go, I'm really grateful that I had 15 minutes of time that I could put to do some movement. So I think you've helped me today to see that I've something <laughs> in place. But other little strategies, I think most people, at least in our team, know that I love the car map. I definitely use that a lot, whether it's sometimes doing, I listen to that productive music, like if I'm doing some work, that really helps me as a strategy. And I definitely do um, some guided meditations and, and breathing strategies using the car map. But there's plenty of different apps out there. I think Insight Timer is a pretty common app that a lot of people use. And I know the team do and YouTube videos and Spotify. But yeah, I'd prompt people to think about or try guided meditations and breathing if you haven't. And I think a common thing I've heard from people is if people say it doesn't work for them, I would make sure that you're trialing it for a little while and probably give yourself at least 20 minutes of guided meditation and at least 10 minutes of guided breathing practice to see if it actually does make you feel a little bit more parasympathetic or relaxed because you need time for that to occur. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny. I've, I'm not one to kind of have a lot of regrets, but what, one of my few regrets is not, not kind of picking up a more regular mindfulness and meditation practice earlier because I know for 
last couple of years doing it a lot more, I've just seen so many benefits and I just think, wow, I wish I had this almost like a weapon when I was a bit younger because I could have used it for so many more, uh, so many more things. But it's it's funny actually because one of the things that Scott and I only had a very fairly rough kind of a guide of what we're going to chat about today, but the, the themes that have kind of come up is what I'd kind of put down as a potential way to kind of wrap things up today and that was with, um, you know, three at an individual level, three things to think about in terms of well-being um, is looking at gratitude, kind of empathy, which we've spoken about, and also mindfulness. And this is something that which I've kind of pulled from the Resilience Project, which I'm a huge fan of. It's Hugh Van, Van Kylenberg. Um, put it in the resources. Put in the resources for sure. Um, but basically he's, he's done a lot of research, a lot of travelling and stuff, and they were gratitude, empathy and mindfulness were the three things that he saw as a similarity all around the world for people that seem to be happy or resilient, uh, to use it kind of interchangeably there. And and then he really breaks it down further into practical things you can do for each of those. And I think that's what we've kind of spoken to uh, today a little bit. And I suppose to, to look at that, like for gratitude, one thing that we can, you know, can do there within our workplaces is doing, um, you know, shout outs, you know, thanking people for the work that they're doing regularly. As a side note, we know that the number one people reason people leave um, leave jobs and leave organisations is because they don't feel appreciated. So that kind of gratitude for what people are, are doing is really important because that has a flow and effect too of um, the person themselves being grateful for the opportunities that they have within the workplace. Um, so and and structuring providing a framework to do that comfortably is really important too because it's all well and good saying that, but do you have a platform that you can easily do that and we've got a social platform that that you know our team can really easily access and say hey you know shout out to scott for doing this uh, for us today it really helped and kind of sharing the wins there is really important another thing that we've brought in um here that i've seen work well at, at different organizations too is like a, a play of the week so just you know what taking nominations from the teams at the start of a meeting, hey, who's got a play of the week? And then taking nominations, it might be good clinical care, it might be we had a staff member the other day who um, a car was broken down at the hospital, so she pulled over, got out of the car and helped this lady, and then she called up the office and said, thanks so much to whoever that was that helped me, and that was just a really lovely We had a search for who, who was it and where <laughs> were they, who was out that way, and, yeah, it was awesome. Exactly right. So, you know, all, all of that kind of broadly kind of comes under gratitude. And then and then with empathy, like we've spoken about that a little bit, but I think, you know, it's it's all well and good to kind of say, look, I, you know, I want to be empathetic towards what I do. But I, I think a lot of that starts with like just active listening. So making sure, um, you know, once again, breaking it down is like even when you're in meetings, like having your phone off the desk or turned off or away from, you know, that's one-to-one -one meeting or group meeting that you're in, closing your laptop, you know, using eye contact, really listening, you know, before you're kind of thinking about what you're going to say, all of that is, you know, so important and providing that structure for people to be open because people aren't going to be open with you and give you that opportunity to be empathetic if they think that you're half looking at your emails or your phone's, you know, buzzing on the table. And I'm, this is once again something that I'm not perfect at at all, especially um, at home, I'm really working hard with my, I've got 
two young kids, a two and a four year old, and trying to be, you know, off devices as much as possible because I don't want to be modeling that. But it's something that I find is a constant challenge that I'm constantly, um, you know, trying, trying to work on. But I think it's really, really important in the workplace too. Yeah, fantastic. Great way to finish. Well, I think, <laughs> That's I think we've limited preparation for this episode. And this is how I wanted the podcast to be, honestly. Like, I, I love podcasts and interviews that are just open and transparent and not scripted and we want open conversation. So the future episodes will be the same as this. There may be some framework of, okay, like this is, yeah, if it's a highly clinical topic, we may want to be a little bit specific with questions and we may ask people for some topical questions that they may want about that. But they're going to be open and transparent conversations because this is what people want to hear. So I think we've done quite well and we can move on to some further episodes. But we'll put some we'll put all of those resources into the show notes of the episode. And thank you so much for being the guinea pig, John. I knew you would do well. That's all right. No, more than more than happy to, even with the limited warning you gave me, Scott. So thanks for that. <laughs> you were you were trying to like, so are we gonna do like more preparation? And I'm like, definitely not. You know me by now. <laughs> That's right. No, always a pleasure. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much. And until next time, everyone, stay well. Bye. Bye.